Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond interview series. Today we have Nikki Lane, also known as the Highway Queen, High Class Hillbilly, First Lady of Outlaw Country, and as a couple folks have said, as unapologetic as Johnny Cash's middle finger. <laughs> she is relentlessly industrious, seriously. Uh, whether it be making music, songwriting, touring, collaborating with Lana Del Rey, all kinds of folks, scanning for fashion buys to stock her vintage clothing store. And damn, we are so lucky to have some time with you today or this from your busy lady. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Gosh, it's hard to live up to that reputation. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. That's, that's why I got it from what you do. So it's pretty easy. I can't, I got to tell you, I'm just like in total disbelief sitting here because, talking with you. I've followed you around like a little puppy since all or nothing. And I am so honored and humbled today. So thank you again. My um, pleasure. You know, we are going to get into diamonds and uh, denim and diamonds and release the 23rd of September, correct? Yeah, it's coming out. Same. Okay, very cool. Uh, before we get into that, I just would like folks to know just a little bit more about you. Um, I understand you had a pretty atypical entrance into the music field. Uh, could you tell us about what inspired you to shift from the world of fashion and design into music? Well, my entire career was started out of a little bit of spite, uh, but I was uh, I was dating a country musician that. Uh, we had an unfortunate parting, I guess you'd call it. It was untimely. And in doing so, he asked for a little space. He said he was going to go make a country record. And I was mad. So I just wrote 10 songs about it. And I made my own country record. <laughs> and uh, through a series of events, I ended up with a record deal. And we ended up married and now divorced. And he, it just became the greatest sense of inspiration that you could ever have. Uh, he doesn't have any royalties, but he probably should. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be part of the spot thing. Don't give him no royalties. He's so nice, though, and what a great news. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 I love that. Um, well, you know, you do have an obvious, I want to acknowledge your immense drive to create and do. Um, it pulled you out of South Carolina, you know, at L.A., New York, now Tennessee. Uh, do you see yourself staying in Tennessee? I mean, I understand you, well, I, more tats than I remember. Um, you got the wanderlust a tattoo, Wanderless Calls yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you see yourself moving on or now that you got the jackpot triple sevens, you might settle in? What do you see? I don't know. I, it's like, it's hard for me to not look at this place as an anchor. And I think as a creative, you know, moving from South Carolina to LA to New York to Nashville, I did a two-year stint while I was here in Austin halftime, which was a very, seemed like a healthier way. It was hard for my mind to like split everything but did let me kind of like leave without leaving. I like having an anchor. I like having a home base. You know, it's where the dogs and the living plants are. It's like, it's really a nurturing spot for me to come back to. So it's hard to picture picking it up and moving it. I almost moved to LA this summer because I've been spending so much time back there. And, but then I think about what I can have there versus here, which is part of why I love being here is, you know, it's getting expensive for sure now, but uh, spanning out and having the store up the street and friends that can come by to make dinner and hang out and a, a team that can work with it. It's like, it's hard to picture giving all that up. And you can still wander on your tours. And I, I'm forced to wander. It's my job. So, <laughs> um, so it's been, 
it's been a juggle uh, to keep everything and Nashville, but I don't think I could give it up. Cool, cool. I and I know you've worked with everyone from Lana Del Rey, Spiritualized, JP. I mean, so many collaborations, boulevards. Uh, could you tell us about some of your favorite collaborations and what makes them your favorites? Yeah, I think what's exciting and it's been funny to realize how many there are just because I say yes to organic hangs. You know what I mean? Like I want to sing. It's my favorite part of the job. Everything else is hard, but going in and creating those tracks, that's really natural to me. So I would like to continue doing that all the time. I think they're never intentional. Lana Del Rey is my friend, you know, like, and we're, we wrote a song in a hotel together and we wrote a song driving around in a truck together. And both of those things just happened for fun. And so it becomes a really big opportunity when it gets to be a shared song on her record, but it comes from a place of just, uh, wanting to work together it's kind of through the friendship can you hear that everything you're doing i can't the typing and the beeps can you no no it's not I'm coming so through sorry. here at all no it's I, cool i did not mean to interrupt <laughs> it's all right um okay yeah no I, it's not coming through here this audio is cool yeah. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like it comes, like you said, organically kind of through the friendships and the connections that you have without those necessarily, those intentions. Yeah, without the intention. And, and I did a um, record with, or a song with Jay Spaceman that became this spiritualized song. This was on All or Nothing as my own song, Out of My Mind. And people haven't caught on because we, I guess, didn't care very much about the specifics of how a song's supposed to be you know named and so it's called crazy on his record but it's um a tour we went on 10 years ago together and uh i was opening for him solo and we wrote a song in the midst of it and and then it ends up here on the record and i think that um that's you know what i mean like i i do know that you can get collaborations through management in other ways and that sounds fun but these have just been friends that I've also been friends with and, and been married and, and been in long relationships and never been able to collaborate on a song. So it's it's funny how you don't get to pick who who it just works with. Um, but luckily for me, it's been a lot of people. And I think beyond, like, you know, when I'm long gone, uh, there'll be my music. But then I think there'll be all these moments where I just got to be part of somebody else's thing. And I love that. That is, that is super cool. One of the aspects that strikes me, and I want everybody who's listening <laughs> Go to this woman's YouTube channel. Your your videos, girl, are just killer. They're, I, they look like they're you're having so much fun. I joke that I use the label as a way to pay for all the things I'd like to do, like reenact Sharon Stone in Casino or, you know, drive over cars for real like my dad did when I was younger. That stuff is just thrilling to me. And um, I continue to try to, like, outdo myself, and that's tricky because some of the ideas for the new record are dangerous <laughs> uh, you know but but it's it's fun and uh what's art and, and life without a little danger <laughs> <laughs> ain't that the truth do, do you have like a, a, a the same team director that you work with or you kind of like pick up a different team with different videos ideas i I'm gonna I'm gonna use someone again this time and I did that in my first record where somebody got two I'd like to, well, I don't know. I, I, I move around 
down because I've got, because that's what's, I know so many musicians, I know so many artists. It's like, if somebody wants to work with me, like I, I want to try too, if I respect their art. So it's, it is different because you have to like start a new relationship every time and figure out how each other work, which is like a marriage or something or a wedding or something, you know? Uh, and so it would be nice to find somebody I wanted to collaborate every time with. Uh, on this record, I co-wrote most of my songs or half of the songs on the record with a guy called Gabe Simon. And in that way, I wasn't interested in looking for other co-writers. If I had an idea I wanted to flush out, I wanted to go to him just because I liked the way he worked. But with the videos, it's nice to let somebody have a go at it, you know? And uh, luckily a lot of people are trying to collaborate. So in just like in those songs that I'm doing, it's, it's just fun to dabble. It, it, well, the, the fun shows up. Um, speaking of, there's there's one, I just, it's kind of an off question, wild card question, but in Gone, 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 <laughs> which is one of my favorites, um, what's up with that goat? Uh, why do I have it? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Why am I eating the pizza? Because if, oh, yeah. you make me, if you make me stand in place for three hours in an un-AC log cabin room, I'm ADD, so you have to get me distracted. So they fed me pizza. They let me hold a baby goat. You know, they just, they just, that's how you get me to stand still. Imagine my makeup artist. They hate my life. Though they hate their life when they look for me. I'm all over. It's just, the, the thing that I liked about Jared Everhart that did those videos is that he thought that that was video worthy. You know, like I do still, and it's, it's so that you can't record it. And so it tickles me when, uh, when he was like, well, I left the pizza in there and you might be mad, but I was like, no, I think it's funny that I'm eating a pizza and wearing a lead dress. <laughs> well, somehow that made more sense than the goat, but I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> there was a goat in the yard. There was a goat in the yard. Let's pick him up and put him in the video. <laughs> um, well, it probably should get to your album because it is, it's, well, it's the uh, point of this little mini media blitz you're doing. And it is such a great piece of work. And what I, I loved is, is uh, we got a little preview to the, all the tracks, um, how many themes, emotional themes there are. It just seems to be very, there's everything from your usual kind of tough chick, uh, the strength, resiliency, and try harder. Uh, but you're also, you know, softens up in the live and love and the vulnerability of born tough. And I just, I think, um, well, I want to acknowledge you for the amazing range of themes that really, I think, can draw everybody in on different levels with each song. It's just so well done. And being well done, um, your producer, your production team, tell us about that production team and the musicians on the album. Well well, thank you. And it's very thoughtful. Like, I guess there the lyrics are out there for people to see, but I guess I can't tell sometimes to people how they identify with them and if they look at them as a body of work. And if you look at my like silly Instagram tag, it says like the mini moods of Nikki Lane. And I always say, I don't have a concept for this record. I'm continuing to deliver mixtapes of my emotions, you know? And the one thing I'd say about the record is that historically I've written about now, you know, my husband and I broke up, my husband and I are mad. Like I'm going out to, to sleep around now that I'm saying, you know, what I, mean? I was just always like whatever was going on. So I couldn't write anymore. I was still in the van after Highway Queen. I couldn't write anymore about what was happening. Like the 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 label wanted a record, and my man, my and the label was like, "Are you going to get a manager?" I didn't have a manager. I was like borderline quitting because I was like, 
I can't write about being in the van anymore. Like girls were celebrating the highway queen and I was like tired of being the highway queen. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah, like, you're over already. This is, a, this is a fake character that doesn't cry because I'm tired, you know? And so it took a long time to come around to wanting to make a new record. But I had a manager at the time, Ryan Madison, that had said to me, you know, who's going to make this next record? And I was like, find me someone I would respect. And that's because I'm dominant and I'm picky and I have all these, you know, prerequisites of who I want to work with. And he said, what about Josh Homme and that, you know, Queens of the Stone Age? And I said, first of all, that sounds amazing. That's a rock producer. That's outside of this Americana genre where a couple producers dominate the entire field. And I'm like, all right, that's new, you know, um, would he talk to me? You know, like I couldn't picture, you know, why he would want to make that record. So uh, we got on the phone at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, and had a first conversation where I, I was pretty sure it was going to happen, you know. And so it immediately unlocked something in me about a tone that I had been kind of maybe holding back that I thought I could now not that making a record with Dan Arbach is any less rock and roll, but like all of a sudden I could let go a little bit more into this like rock character and, and what that looked like. And, and what it looked like was what I was seeing in him, which was this very tough person that was actually quite sensitive. And like what we all learned in the, in the pandemic amongst our own personal lives that was happening was like, what was inside, you know what I mean? How, how, how resilient you were, how flexible you were and what you could work on or do to, to survive. Right. And then just, how you processed it emotionally. And I feel like I felt very vulnerable. I kind of still do, but it's like, a, it's kind of a nice place to be because I'm so tough and then born tough. That's what it is. I was raised to just be strong and just keep pushing. But I found this softness in this producer who was very, you know, empathic to the fact that I was nervous to record again and like was very thoughtful to the record he put together. Put together Carla's are a female drummer which he just thought I should have a girl in the room I, I love having a girl in the room you know what I mean especially when she rivals like Dave Grohl or something in drumming capacity you know she's just a machine but then at the same time there was some scheduling things so he had also booked Matt Helders from the Arctic Monkeys so now I had two of great members you know coming in every day um, Mike Shoes from the Queens of the Stone Age band uh, Elaine Johannes who had been in Queens for years and collaborated on tons of projects with Josh, and then my pedal steel player and lead guitar player, um, Matt Penn. So I just had this really thoughtful group of people that he had curated and watched his, like, he kind of pulled our strings, you know, from the control room, but then played any instrument that we couldn't, that somebody didn't show up on time or something. You know, he just subsidized mm -hmm. whatever, whatever hole there was. And so from a production standpoint, I was just impressed and also had some, like, a muse to write towards. Like, I'll give him, like, songs about complexity or addiction or anything that like was happening in our lives around our friendships with other people that like I could hone in on. And the next thing I knew I had made a reflective record, you know? So, so that's, I mean, that's what, what this whole record about is, is about Denim and Diamonds is just um, that title track is how I identify, which is a strong person who can pay for all my own stuff and take care of myself just fine. But that comes from a person that was a, uh, you know, a vulnerable young person at once that kind of decided to forge my own path and everything that it came with, it, you know? Yes, it is definitely reflected. That is lovely to hear. And I, I do I understand that uh, Josh really was not that familiar or hadn't really listened to a lot of your stuff. So he had no concept going in of what, wh who is Nikki Lane, what's she about? It was just pure... A, a pure collaboration in its purest form, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it was like a, a, a conversation that had mutual respect that ended in a, let's try this. And he got 
the breaking up slowly demo. I sent him like two or three demos and he didn't listen. He didn't listen to my music until afterwards. I think because his children actually started singing along to the record and, and started listening to the old stuff. So, so it's fun. It's a, it's a, the greatest part about musical collaborations. It's now a lot of my great friendships. So. Awesome. We, um, uh, we, we actually, uh, this was a question I had lined up and you fit into it. So w- what percentage or proportion would you say that specifically of this album are those songs autobiographical versus just kind of character driven stories about folks you know or think about? I think almost all of them are about me now, for sure. It, like in the stories of like Chamayo, where I'm telling a story of someone else, it's about incidents that have happened in my life. Pass it down for me is about Al-Anon as much as it's about AA, as much as it's about church. It's about finding a community to deal with something, you know? Um, And so those things are super personal. And then because I'm an artist still, I still try to separate it from myself a little. Uh, Chamaya, oh my Lord, that is so haunting, so beautiful. Uh, And I am curious about the, uh, (laughs) I am curious about the, um, the inspiration, right? You you said it was? It's, it's a story, um, a Chamayo. So basically the songwriter Gabe sent me a track and he said, uh, say if you can write anything to this. And it was titled Chamayo and it was a dramatic like battle song. And I wrote him back and said, why'd you call this Chamayo? And he said, I don't know what a Chamayo is, but every time you talk about it, you're really upset. And uh, it was because Chamayo is a Native American weaving that made a souvenir jacket that is now worth between three and five grand, depending on the condition of these jackets. And I've collected them for a long time. So I have a few and I keep them in color order. And when I had those two houses, one of them went missing and it went missing in June. And a lot of things at my house were going missing. And it turns out that like I will slowly expose her over the years. But there's a young woman that works for me as an assistant here that comes from an affluent music family. She asked to work in my home and she stole all my things down to my panties and one of the things she took was my chamayo jacket and my mom was worried about me she thought i was having dementia she said honey are you sure that you're missing all these things maybe something maybe it's all the you know your recreational (laughs) habits and i said mom it doesn't matter how many times i recreationally have it you know uh i don't wear wool in june and I found this chamayo over at this girl's house and so i wrote a song about you know uh, like you know to the picture an epic battle where she was maybe just trying to take a thing, but she took a part of my identity. And so I had to go over there and take it all back. And oh. so, so that's the story. That's, you know, I read it in songs, so I don't have to call her out and deal with any kind of <laughs> lawsuit from her daddy or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that's a really, I love to hear that story. Um, first high is such a fun, nostalgic escape uh, for me, especially a little older, but the 501s, right? The f- those 501 jeans, that's all anybody was wearing there. It just, I love how uh, you paint such a vivid picture of a trip down memory lane, if you will, kind of to escape that nostalgic. Uh, could you describe the writing of First High and how that happened? Um, yeah, I think for me, that song was about being reflective. I had a, I had a particularly hard, and I was channeling Cheryl Crow. I wanted to I wanted to talk about, I wanted to leave the space I was in mentally that day. And I said, okay, well, I'll come over there and I'll write a song about getting as high as I did the first time. And so I wrote about all those firsts of of youthfulness and, uh, you know, that stuff just came pouring out. We wrote that song in a a couple hours and, and, and the great ones I think come like that, but this whole record was easy because it, because it actually came from, from within in that way. Right. 
Very, very cool. Uh, and so many great lines um, from citing share in uh, denim and diamonds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, we will wrap it up. Um, I yeah. just am so happy, happy to have you with us today. That's such an honor. Um, I'm going to catch you down to Americana Fest. And you know, you, so I'm calling, you're calling in Lincoln. This is Lincoln, yeah. Nebraska. On the yeah. day after your release, you're going to play Lincoln yeah. Calling. I'm so excited to be have you Are there. Are you going to be there? Oh, Hell yeah. <laughs> it's so nice to talk to you because you're so thoughtful. And I didn't mean that we almost ran out of time. No, it's all right. But yeah, because I would love to finish talking about that. But, you know, just to end it, I say, like, it, it was easy to channel that line from Cher. I just want to be defiant for all these girls out here that think we have to have anybody helping us, yeah. even though it doesn't hurt to have them. Mom, but it was I am. so nice spending time with you. And I, I don't want to talk to you a bunch in Kansas because you'll have that new record in hand. Yes. And, uh, I'll sign you a copy if you if you'll have one. I will, oh yes, I pre-ordered the the, the lovely uh, orchid lavender one. That's the one cool. I have holds on. So as we wrap up, is there anything special folks need to know about your socials? I say no. I think you just got to follow online. Okay, and I try to keep up with your busy ass. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> if you can. Awesome. Thank you very much, honey. We'll uh, you. see you soon. Okay. Talk right, to you. Have soon. a great one. Bye.